Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reviving Vet Med. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing the topics of cyberbullying and negative online reviews. So please note that some of you may feel triggered by this conversation, especially if these are situations that you have had to face yourself in your career. I do try and address these topics proactively in sharing ways to cope and of course sharing ways to take care of yourself. So know that the content that is provided is positive and proactively framed. Now please note that this episode was recorded using live video. I did have several people on the live, some of whom were asking questions which I addressed during the episode. So. If that is distracting for you, I apologize, but that is what happens with live video. And with that said, I'm just really excited to share this information with you. So let's go ahead and get into the episode. This is the Reviving Vet Med podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Marie Holowaychuk. My mission is to improve the mental health and well-being of veterinary professionals around the world. So what are we going to be digging into today? Well, I'm going to share with you some statistics around cyberbullying. We don't have a lot. There is uh, some survey research that came out of the U.S. a few years ago, which I will share as well. Most of all, I want to talk about how we handle these situations. So I'm going to talk about how we respond in cyberbullying incidents, how we prepare for them as practices, because I think if you haven't been impacted by one of these events, you probably will at some point. And then I'm also going to touch on how we respond to online reviews. And then, of course, I'm going to end off with a little poke so that you can be prompted to do self-care. Anytime we experience difficulties in the work that we do in this profession, self-care becomes that much more important. And I'm going to highlight some important ways for you to do that, specifically when it comes to coping with the aftermath of these negative online interactions. So when we talk about cyberbullying, otherwise known as cyber harassment, the definition is that this is the use of email, social media, instant messaging, or online reviews, or even derogatory websites to bully or harass individuals or groups, usually by way of some sort of personal attack. So this goes beyond, you know, I'm unhappy with the service. This starts to really attack the individuals and oftentimes threatens their well-being um, in many different ways. So when it comes to cyberbullying among adults, this research comes out of the United States and was done uh, back in 2014. And what they said is that 40% of adult internet users had personally experienced some form of online harassment. 27% were called offensive names. 22% were purposefully embarrassed. 8% were physically threatened, 8% were stalked, and 7% were harassed for a sustained period of time. And 75% of adults had seen cyberbullying around them. So even if they had not personally experienced or they were not the victim of the cyberbully, they had witnessed it. And I think this is something that we are seeing more commonly, especially with such polarizing views around different political events and the pandemic and so on and so forth. And then, of course, certainly in veterinary practice with everything that we go through within the industry as well. Now, I do want to highlight that there isn't a lot of research looking at cyberbullying among adults. Most of the research is looking at adolescents. 
For any of those of you who are parents out there watching, you know that this has become a real big issue as well for children, especially adolescents and teens, where they are dealing with uh, potential cyber bullies on a regular basis. And it would seem that the research is most heavily directed at those individuals. Although it doesn't go away when you graduate from high school or become an adult, it definitely impacts adults as well. And in fact, when we look at the research out of New Zealand, this is more recent, back in 2019, in terms of the age distribution among those who are cyberbullied, in the 18 to 25-year-old range, it is the highest at 40.5%. Again, that is not including adolescents. 26 to 35-year-olds, it's 24%. 46 to 55 is 13%. And even those 66 and older are still not free from cyberbullying. 6.5% in this New Zealand study said that they were also victims of cyberbullying. So again, I think this probably is a little bit related to how much time these individuals spend online and or whether or not they're still working, which I do think working in the veterinary profession puts us more at risk of being cyberbullying. Certainly those who have more of an online presence online can be targeted more um, in cyberbullying attacks. So again, and, um, really important to recognize this um, as well. So Tamara asked the question, is the current research suggesting that adult cyberbullying has just as much of an impact as on children and adolescents? And that's a really great point. There is some really disturbing research coming out of the research around children and adolescents and teens um, where they can have very serious mental health ramifications. And Tamara, I feel like I planted you in the audience um, because the research, I don't know that they've compared the age groups specifically, but what we do know is that even among adults, there are some ramifications. And I'm gonna talk about those in, in just a couple of slides here. So this is the research specifically looking at veterinarians in the United States. This was a survey study that was done back in 2014 as well, which basically surveyed, I think it was about 350 veterinarians working in the U.S., specifically with regards to cyberbullying. And what they found out of this small survey is that one in five vets had been a victim of cyberbullying in the workplace or had worked with someone who had. Typically, this was in the form of negative online reviews or threats via social media or email. Now, most of the comments that were made were regarding some aspect of patient care, whether it was a case didn't turn out the way that they had expected it to or wanted it to, or as all of us have experienced as well, they were disgruntled about the cost. Now, interestingly, 70% of attacks were incited by previous clients, but also staff. So sometimes these were unhappy staff members that left the practice and then had cyberbullying um, directed towards practice members. About 50% or more began within three days of the inciting event. So if you do have a big um, outburst within your practice or a client that is very unhappy with you or heaven forbid a staff member that is very unhappy and leaves, that's the time that you really want to be mindful that there could be some online backlash. And back in 2014 when the study was done, most of these cyberbullying attacks were in the form of negative social media posts on Facebook or online reviews on Yelp. Now, of course, times have changed in the last eight years since this, this study was published, so we may be seeing these in, in different forums. There's obviously more social media platforms in use. There's Google reviews and various other things. So 
Unfortunately, we've got our work cut out for us in terms of monitoring a lot of different places where we can be a victim of cyberbullying. So to answer the question um, that Amanda had asked, adverse consequences are absolutely real. So with the AVMA survey study, what they found is that workplace tension was a very big consequence. So everyone seemed like they were on edge wondering, you know, about what, how could this um, spiral, what could this turn into? Obviously, stress was heightened. And then people also said that they experienced symptoms of depression. Now, the consequences of cyberbullying in general among adults, not just adolescents and children, I, I don't know the difference between the two, but among all, are actually worse than face-to-face -face bullying. So people who've been a victim of cyberbullying say that it's actually worse. And I don't know if those attacks are more heightened because people feel a bit braver to say whatever they want to say behind a screen. What I think more often than not is the issue and why it feels worse is that it's very difficult to escape online cyberbullying, right? We, we have our phones with us everywhere. We are on social media. We are in our email inboxes. So it's right in our face all the time. Now, among adults, they've also found consequences that include substance use, anxiety, even post-traumatic stress symptoms, depression, and burnout. Again, if you're dealing with these situations on top of the work that you are already doing, that is going to be a recipe for overwhelm, a sense of not being in control, perhaps a sense of not being supported by your management team, and all of those are going to potentially contribute to your burnout. Okay, so what do you do if you experience cyberbullying? Where does the help come in? Well, what I strongly suggest that you can do first and foremost, which is not necessarily something that we think of in the moment, is to take screenshots. You want to document what's happening right away. I think it can feel very tempting to want to just delete the message, you know, forget you ever saw it, delete the post. First, make sure you document. The only way that you can report and follow up on these incidents is if you have the evidence to show them. So keeping a copy of all exchanges, including your responses as well, and know that on certain platforms, um, I'm pretty sure, um, uh, which is it now, Snapchat, I'm pretty sure, if you take a screenshot of that, the other person will be notified that a screenshot was taken. Maybe that's a good thing so that they know to back off, but nevertheless, know that there are some platforms that do um, notify the other individual. Speaking of notifications, you definitely want to notify your practice manager or owner if they are not the one that has come across these cyberbullying attacks. So, Practice leadership needs to be involved so that they can handle the situation, especially if you're a practice associate. This is not something that you need to take on all by yourself, so please don't feel that way. The practice management team is also going to want to be involved from a reputation management perspective. They might want to actually enlist other resources in the form of reputation management companies. So please make sure to involve them as soon as you can so that you can Put it onto somebody else who is going to be more able to deal with it and you can focus on the other tasks that you need to be doing. 
Um, now, for those of you who are in a management position and you are going to be the ones dealing with these, again, it's important to know about these incidents as soon as possible. So let your team know that because sometimes contacting the cyber bully, if they have identified themselves or if you can determine based on their comments who they are, that will actually diffuse the situation. It's very often times where the practice just deletes the messages, ignores the messages, doesn't address them at all, that they really start to ramp up. They want to get a response, they want to know that they're being heard, and there's a fine balance between how we respond versus not responding at all. So we just wanna be very mindful of that. But again, I cannot stress enough that being proactive is really, really important to prevent these situations from escalating. Now, sometimes even when we are proactive, the situations escalate. We're not gonna be able to control other people's actions, but we're more likely to be able to appease the other individual the sooner that we can contact them and get to the root of what they are unhappy about. So when it comes to managing the comments themselves, after you take a screenshot, if there is anything that is racist, discriminatory, abusive, threatening, those I absolutely would advocate for removal. As well, there are some individuals that really do try and target people by sharing their personal information online. This is very dangerous. If people get a hold of the home addresses or personal numbers, phone numbers of the individuals involved, that information should absolutely be erased as well. Now, if people catch wind of the posts being erased, this can really fuel them to act out further. So if you do erase the posts, you want to acknowledge that you are deleting them, phrasing it in some way that we have chosen to delete some of your posts for the safety and well-being of our team. Please know that abusive, threatening, discriminatory, and racist comments are not tolerated and that abuse can be reported to the authorities. Again, you'll want to phrase this in whatever language you know feels authentic to you, but the point is to let them know that you've erased them. You've erased them for the safety of your team and whatever the post contained that was not tolerated, you let them know that this, you know, we we have removed the personal information that was posted for the safety or whatever it is. And if you do want to sort of, you know, warn them so to speak that you are thinking of reporting the um the posts or that you have the option of reporting, that might certainly dissuade them as well. I truly and honestly believe that many cyber bullies out there do not realize that what they are doing is and can be recognized as a form of harassment that is punishable by law. So they feel like, you know, this is online, it's freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want. And that's true to an extent, but not when we are putting other people's safety at risk. So many sites as well, most sites I should say, they don't want cyberbullying happening on their sites. They urge reporting of abusive users. They make it very easy to report abusive users. And that's everything from spam to, you know, discriminatory comments to abuse or threats or anything like that. So it's typically very easy, depending on the platform, for you to block an individual. And then usually once you've blocked them, they will give you the option to report them. And they will, you know, give you different options in terms of what, what the reason is for that you block them and then it will almost immediately be investigated and I can tell you that I've done this on LinkedIn before LinkedIn is super fast with investigating they immediately provide a response to me via email that says your you know concern has been documented we are investigating and I've had it turn around within two hours that they say um, you know we've investigated and this meets the requirements for 
you know, online abuse and this person, you know, has been removed from the platform or whatever their language is. Now, I do know, not from personal experience, but from others that Facebook can be very slow to respond. And I'm sure it's just a matter of the, the um, number of cases that they have that are potentially reported to them. The good news is, is that even if the platform isn't responding to the individual, at least you will not be able to see any further comments from these individuals. And on different platforms, the individual may not even know that they were potentially blocked from the site. So I know for LinkedIn, for example, if you block an individual, um, they are not notified of that. They don't know that. So you don't have to feel, um, you know, like they're going to come after you for some reason if you've done that. So it is going to be shared in the show notes for this episode, but there is a great resource from Life Learn Animal Health that goes through all of the different social media platforms and what it means to hide, delete, report, ban, etc. All of those features. Now, these social media platforms are like a live entity. They are changing all the time. So these might not be completely up to date in terms of these recommendations, but it just gives you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. But I promise you, it's very intuitive. Most of these sites now, if you go to delete anyone or delete even a comment from someone, it immediately prompts you to say, you know, what is your reason for deleting this? Do you want, want to report this individual? So it's generally, they've made it very seamless because they don't want the cyberbullying to be happening any more than you do. Now, if the situation escalates, you are probably going to want to notify your provincial or state veterinary medical association. The reason I say that is because they may be able to provide you with additional resources or support. They may be in contact with reputation management or online management companies who can give you that support. They might also want to stay informed in case they are contacted by that individual. That cyber bully might next turn to your regulatory body. Maybe it's not your provincial or state VMA. Maybe you have a separate regulatory body that you notify, but notifying whoever oversees licensing complaints just to kind of, you know, head it off at the start just so that they know, hey, look, you know, we had a client. They're very unhappy. This is a circumstance. They've now started bullying us online. And then you can obviously have all of that documented so that that can all be used if this ever, you know, heaven forbid, but goes to court or escalates any way further. And you also have a right to involve local law enforcement. This is if serious threats are made, if you feel unsafe, if you feel that this is truly a form of harassment, they can be charged with that. And so please do not hesitate to do that as well. Um, I shudder to say that I know of situations where this has had to be invoked. And this is why we have law enforcement. This is, this is, what these situations are for. So please, if you're not sure, at least reach out and ask, let them know what the situation is and they will be able to notify you what the next steps are. And then I also recommend some regional resources. So depending on where you're watching or listening in the world, the AVMA has an online reputation management uh, site that is also specifically for dealing with these situations. There are links there to additional resources and companies that can help. There's some steps to take you through. Unfortunately, I, I actually don't have access to that because I'm not an AV, AVMA member. It is member access only. So those of you who are AVMA members, you can access that um, if you are an AVMA member, obviously in the US. In Australia, they had a really great resource that I came across when 
I was researching for this episode, which is the e-safety commissioner. So they actually have like a whole website dedicated to investigating and dealing with these events. There are some specific guidelines in place. So they do want you to have screenshots and information available. They want you to have blocked or reported the individual on the platform at least 48 hours before reporting on their website. But it's basically a way to escalate your concerns so that you can take it to this e-safety commissioner and they will you know, further investigate and deal with the individuals who are involved. So that's the information that I wanted to share with you when an incident of cyberbullying comes up. Now, what can you do proactively in as a practice or as an individual knowing that this is something that might happen to you? So one thing I strongly advocate that all of you do is to set up Google Alerts. You want to stay informed regarding any negative or positive mentions about your practice or about your staff members online. I talked about being proactive and how important that is. This gives you the opportunity to reply in a timely fashion before things escalate. So I have Google alerts set up for my name, Marie Holowaychuk, and various other topics that I'm interested in. Um, and it works. They send you an email when your name comes up in a Google search. And it was actually not that long ago that my name came up and I was flagged and I was like, what's this? There was a blog that was written and I was quoted in the blog. And, you know, it was so funny because for the longest time I could not remember. I was like, I don't, who is this person? They've included me in this article and I, I don't remember doing this interview. And then it finally occurred to me that it was months before that I had done the interview and it was okay. But it was just interesting to be able to have that experience. And again, it's good to know that that's out there. It's sort of watching the web for you because obviously we can't be everywhere all the time to know when people might be mentioning our name online or the practice's name online. And then you want to have a response plan, okay? If we're talking about a practice response plan, who in the practice is responsible for responding to these comments? And in what situations will you respond versus ignore? I urge you to respond to all, positive and negative, but nevertheless, this is your practice's decision. And what circumstances will you choose to remove comments? Again, I think that this is a... a conversation that you want to have as a practice management team as a whole. And then in the event that something like this happens, will future scheduled posts be removed or postponed? Very often practices and myself as well, you know, we have scheduled posts that are supposed to be coming out. But if something blows up in your social media account, it might seem like not appropriate or um, of poor taste to have these social media regularly scheduled posts that are coming out. So do you need to adjust your content in some way, shape or form? Okay, so those are the big things that I wanna share with you with regards to cyberbullying. Now, I also wanna talk now about dealing with negative online reviews. This is something that all of us are going to experience. I mean, I, I even for me as a speaker, there's going to be times that I get negative reviews from individuals. Um, thankfully, yet, I, I don't know if they're maybe posted somewhere online that I haven't seen, but you know, normally for me, it's not such a public forum that, that I don't have a practice per se that is being being reviewed online. For those of you who are in a practice, you are definitely vulnerable to these reviews, these one star reviews, um, which, it, you know, very often it's like five star or one star. So what do you do with those one star reviews? 
Well, step number one is to calm yourself and check your sources. So I strongly urge you if you, you know, you're scrolling and you suddenly see this one star review, step away from the computer, get some fresh air, take a few deep breaths, see if you can kind of ground yourself, tune into your body. What do you need in this moment? Do you need a bit of fresh air? Do you need a drink of water? Do you need to eat something? Check yourself and make sure that you are in a state where you can deal with whatever you are going to be digging into before you just throw yourself into it, okay? So as we talk about all the time with self-care, you wanna first meet your own needs before you can dive into helping the practice or helping anybody else. Then you wanna gather information as much as you possibly can, whether it's from the hospital records, if you can identify the case, you know, that is being discussed in these reviews. If not, ask your team members, you know, gosh, this comment is online. You know, the dog's name is Jake. Does anybody know, you know, who this client might be? And then talk to those team members, get to know, you know, what happened in, in this situation. Um, you know, here's what I'm dealing with and I want to be able to address this with the owner. Can you help me to understand what's going on? For some individuals as well, they will um, also uh, consider seeking out an unbiased opinion on the review from someone else. So um, maybe you have a really good relationship with another practice owner or another practice manager and you get their unbiased opinion. You know, it's so hard because we're so obviously attached to our practice and our team and we can become so defensive. But maybe there is a way that you can respond to this review that is going to be diplomatic um, and is going to acknowledge that, yeah, you know what, we do have some things to work on and thank you for that. So the next step then is going to be to move the conversation offline. So as quickly as you possibly can, you want to reach out to this owner if you can. You want to be very compassionate in your conversation be as patient and as open with them as you can. Phone them with a desire to really understand where they're coming from. And you can go back to the review and say, you know, in your review, you mentioned this, that, and the other, and, and address each one of those things. You know, tell me more about that. I'd really like to understand what happened um, in your own words, whatever it might be. In these situations, we are listening to respond with empathy putting yourself in those clients' shoes. It might not be truth for you, what they are speaking, but it is truth for them. So acknowledge it, acknowledge their feelings, acknowledge their emotions with that empathy and not getting defensive. You know, gosh, that sounds really frustrating or I can appreciate how angry you are right now or, you know, it sounds like this was a really difficult visit for you, whatever it might be. Now, there may be some misunderstandings. Maybe, you know, there may be, maybe they were quoted a certain quote and they put down a deposit and then when they got the bill, it was more and maybe they didn't realize that it was going to be more than the deposit they put down. So maybe, you know, you apologize. You know, I'm so sorry that we weren't clear in our hospital policies. This is what is expected. And then you find out how you can make it right. And you might even ask them, what can we do to make this right? And maybe very often for people, they just want to be heard. They just want to be recognized. Or maybe they want some of their money back. Or maybe they just want to make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else. Whatever it is, can you appease them in any way? Then the next thing that you do after you've connected with the individual, or if you can't connect with the individual, is that you respond online. 
So I do think because your clients and other people are reading these online reviews, you want to respond online as well. So you thank them for their time and sharing their concerns. You recap the main takeaway from your discussion. You know, as we discussed, we're going to um, adjust, you know, our hospital policy moving forward, whatever it might be, whatever you feel comfortable to disclose and say, you know, we welcome you to call us again if you have further concerns. If you cannot speak to the client, then you thank them for their time and sharing their concerns because it did take them time to log on and to do that. You reiterate your concern for the client and their pet, and you offer to discuss the situation by phone or email. So you indicate you see them, you thank them for sharing, you do want to be able to help them, you are here to help them, and can you have a conversation? So in some situations as well, the complaint might be simple. And so you can do those above steps, especially if you can't reach out to them or they don't reach out to you and you can just let them know what you're going to do differently based on their feedback. Maybe they had an hour and a half long wait and nobody updated them that there was an hour and a half wait. So you can apologize for the wait time, but unless it's linked with the willingness to accept responsibility for what happened or to express a willingness to change, it's not going to be enough for that client. So you can say something along, this, along the lines of, you know, we are so sorry that you had to wait an hour and a half. Normally, we keep our clients informed when wait times are prolonged and we apologize this did not happen. Next time we will make sure or, you know, we are adjusting our hospital policy or protocol to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Okay, so expressing good intentions and your policies moving forward. And then step number five in these situations is to make sure that all involved team members know the last thing a team member wants to find out is, you know, days later that there was this whole huge thing that happened online regarding them that they weren't even aware of. And I know that you might feel like you're protecting your team members. You know, they don't need to know what doesn't, what they don't know won't hurt them or whatever that, you know, phrase is, but that is not building trust or um, integrity amongst your team. You want to be honest and open and upfront. Let your team member know what's happening. Let them know to come to you if there's any escalation, if they get reached out to maybe personally via their email or something else. Discourage the team member from engaging on their own with the client. Make sure that you are being involved in some way, shape, or form. And then, of course, these situations are awful. This team member is not going to feel good about this. So make sure if you have employee assistance that you offer it or if you have mental, re mental health resources available in some other way, shape, or form that you offer those as well. Now, I see there's a few things um, coming up in the chat, so I'm just going to address those as well before I come to this last point here. So Tamara says, what is your stance on turning off comments completely? I know sometimes when sensitive content, they don't allow commenting at all, regardless of the person. So yeah, you may choose during certain posts. Um, I, I do this actually on my website um, where I have my blogs posted that the comment comments function is off. Now, part of that for me is I just, I can't monitor everything, you know, of my social media platforms. It's just me and my company. So it's just really hard to manage. I think if you have the appropriate team to be able to manage the comments, I would urge you to keep your comments open, but maybe there is a post that, um, that you do decide to turn the comments off or that you do after 
receiving a certain amount of backlash or feedback that you do turn the comments off. I do think that that's a practice policy. I don't have a strong sense of whether that's right or wrong. I would just say that you would need to do what's right for you in that situation, knowing that sometimes that can escalate the situation. If a person feels that they have something that needs to be said or that people need to know how they're feeling, they might simply find another avenue to do it. So just recognize that as well. Um, Andrea mentioned, okay with moving the conversation offline, but still the online negative comment should be answered online, right? Yes. Step number three, answering the negative comment online. Thank you so much, Andrea. Well, again, you are already a step ahead of me, Andrea and Tamara, both of you. So thank you. So the last piece that I want to share with all of you is, of course, to take care of yourself. Take advantage of mental health days or paid time off if you have them. A lot of practices now do offer these to their team members. These are really difficult times and you do want to acknowledge that. And sometimes we just need to step away so that we've got time to connect with a mental health professional, to connect with life outside of work, remind ourselves, gain perspective that there is life outside of work and that this too shall pass. And um, again, space from work can help with that. I also really recommend taking a break from social media in these circumstances. I have friends who have been very entrenched in some of these online bullying situations in this profession, and they have as well taken themselves off social media or changed their accounts so that they cannot be recognized um, in their accounts. So you might choose to change your username or something else. But at the very least, if only briefly, remove the notifications so that you're not being notified when things are being posted. Maybe you just temporarily uninstall the apps from your phone or you delete your accounts altogether, which in the name of mental health and well-being, I fully support. So you can certainly consider that as well. And at the end of the day, I really want you to be compassionate with yourself. As I shared earlier with statistics, you are not alone in these situations. It's sadly very common. It's very distressing. It's very difficult for everyone involved. And so these are situations in your life where you're going to need an extra amount of self-care and an extra amount of self-compassion. All right. So Vanessa shares, in my experience, turning comments off will cause people to post on other posts where comments are available or turning to reviews and other social media platforms. And thank you for sharing that, Vanessa. And, and, and that's my biggest fear is that if these individuals are looking for a space to vent or to voice their concerns, they will find somewhere to put it, which is, I think, why most individuals do try as much as possible to leave the comments on Okay, so great questions and comments from all of our viewers today. I want to leave you with these key takeaways. Um, Cyberbullying has a deep impact on veterinary teams. It's important for us to recognize the mental health and well-being ramifications from that. The good news is, is that resources are available to assist with these situations. You can have a response plan in place for handling negative online reviews and cyber bullies. And it's really important for you to be proactive in handling these online conversations to prevent escalation. And then of course, more importantly than anything else, you do need to take care of yourself and of course, take care of each other. So that's it for this episode of Reviving Vet Med. I hope that you took away some tips for coping with these cyberbullying incidents and also for proactively addressing negative online reviews. I know that this is a heavy topic and something that many of us struggle with and hopefully there was information here that you found practical and doable for you and your team. 
If you can think of someone who you think would also benefit from this information, I would love for you to share this episode. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please take time to subscribe to my podcast, leave a rating or review, and again, share the podcast with others who you think will benefit. It really helps me to know when people are getting to take advantage of this information as well. If you're interested in the resources from today's episode, please check out the show notes. You can find them on my website at mariehollowaychuck.com forward slash podcast. I'd like to thank my podcasting production team at Bottleneck for preparing this episode. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Bye now.